We have become much like what we read about, what Jesus chased out, the buying and selling, those things. Instead of love and people just wanting to come to God, we have made it complicated. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. You see, the difference is religion separates us from God. You know, the Bible talks about if a man's religion is, is, is true, it's always going to go back to who Jesus Christ is. And again, because God wants to have that personal relationship with you, that which was lost in the garden, now restored again. All the religions of the world don't offer that. They don't offer a personal relationship with God. It's always that God is over there and you're over here. Paul doesn't say that. He says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We crawl up into our daddy's lap and give him a hug. Unintimidated by all the things around us, I can do this. How do you think those early church fathers, and by the way, if you ever have a chance to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a very intriguing book on how the early church fathers and the early believers in Jesus Christ died. And they died martyrs, by the way. Some skinned alive, some forced to walk off the temple there in Jerusalem as James did. Some were just ostracized, some were boiled in oil as John was. And by the way, you'll always find those Christians that love God and they were persecuted. Why were they? How could they go through that kind of persecution? How could they go through that kind of, 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 of rejection and still die for their faith? Why? Because they had a relationship with daddy. They knew daddy. See, that makes the difference between religion and, and, and a relationship with God. When you have a relationship with God, you know Daddy's there. Doesn't matter what goes through on me on this earth. What matters is that I have a relationship with God. By the way, in Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll read how they died. The one thing you won't read is how the Pharisees died. It's because they didn't. They're still here, and they're still causing issues in people's lives. Now, always remember again, God loves you. You say, well, what did I do to merit this love that comes from God? Was it that I, you know, was really nice to a puppy when I was, you know, five years old? No, it's just God loves you. And the Bible says he loves all of us. And you, one of the, the key, um, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you do an overall uh, view of that, when, when a person is spirit-filled, 
It's to make them more like Jesus, not cause them to spin around on the floor and swing on chandeliers and knock over rules of pews. But it's to make us more like Jesus. That's the idea of being spirit-filled. And one of the things you'll find, two key things in Jesus' life that we find also mentioned in the, in the writings of Paul as well. The first one is love. Paul says in Corinthians 13, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and I don't have love, it all profits me nothing. So really being spirit-filled, the first thing you look for is not if they can pray in tongues or they can walk on water. The thing you look for is do they love? Jesus, seeing the multitudes, had compassion them. That's the reason why we know that when we are spirit-filled, we're walking in the spirit. Now, you can be spirit-filled, but not walk in the spirit, by the way, because it's a willingness of me surrendering my life to do what God wants me to do. And again, when we pray for things, friends, I I just want to always encourage you uh, of this. Never ask God so much for things as it is for his perfect will for your life. Because it doesn't matter what thing you're going to get. If you're not in God's perfect will, you won't be happy anyway. So I always pray, God, I see these things. This looks good. This looks like a great opportunity. But Lord, I don't want that. I want you to show me what you want me to do. That we would be in the center of his will. Now, people have talked before about the difference between God's perfect will in God's permissive will. And I do believe there's probably a little validity to that kind of an argument. However, why would you ever want to be in permissive will when you can be in the center of God's will? So love is one of those things that are always going to bring us back. That true um, guarantee of the Holy Spirit in your life is love. Love for the lost. Love for those brothers and sisters in Christ. Those that you see that that need uh, that hand of God in their life, and it's your hand that's going to reach out to them and show them that love from God. That's the first thing. The second thing we find is boldness. Now, Jesus was bold when he did this. And sometimes, friends, it requires boldness to stand up for love. How can I say I truly love my brothers or my sisters and, 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 or, or people in this world and I leave them in their dead orthodoxy, I leave them in, in, in stagnant religion, in a relationship where they're trying to earn from God what God has already given them. See, that should cause, I think, uh, 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 well, as it says here, the zeal for your house has eaten me up. I think if there's anything in my life that's probably motivated me more is that when I see people lost and I realize that God, unless we do something, they're going to stay that way. The Bible says, Jesus said, go preach the gospel to every creature. That tells me something really important. That tells me we are active ingredient in people coming to Christ. It isn't, well, you know, God, you're just going to somehow just, you know, send some kind of a fuzzy glory cloud over to these unsaved people and they're going to go, oh, I believe in God now. Why is that? 
because God uses you and me. Here's what's important. If God is going to use you and me, go preach the gospel to every creature, what message then do we preach? That's why we need to know God's word. I want to bring them not, well, what these uh, merchandisers were doing, but I want to bring them Jesus. See, the thing is, we all contain a message. The question is, what message is it that we contain? And if the message is Jesus, if we recognize that God so loved the world, God so loved, let's make it personal, love me, that I want to be able to reach out and love others the same way God has loved me. How is that? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It isn't that, well, you know, you come up to my standard, you know, you get in a suit and tie, take a shower, I might like you, maybe. That's not the way God told us to love people. They came to Jesus one time and they said, why do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? And he said, well, they're the ones that need the doctor. We're doctors. We're paramedics. Shared this a lot of times, but you come up on a wreck in an intersection. By the way, you don't have to wait very long before you get one out here in front of the church. It seems like we get one one a week out here. I don't know why they can't stop at the big, big stop sign with the flashing red light, but they don't. I don't know why this is. They even put rumble strips in. That doesn't make any difference. I'm just driving on. Hey, look at that big red sign. Wow. It's pretty tragic. But the point is, when I come up on a wreck, I'm not a cop. I'm not going to go, okay, who ran the stop sign here? Who did this? No, we're paramedics, friends. We're trying to stabilize those that are wounded. By the way, we got a big world that's been a big wreck for a long time, and we're all paramedics. What message do you bring them? See, if you don't know what the message is, Maybe you accepted Christ a long time ago, but somehow in all of the religion, you may have forgotten the simplicity of the gospel. That's what people are looking for. They're not looking for rules and regulations. They're looking for love. And love doesn't simply mean, oh, honey, I know you love to break all the windows out of the house. And I know you love to throw the living room furniture out on the lawn, and I love you. Just keep doing it. Is that love? No, love says stop it. Aren't you glad that God says stop it to us sometimes? Have you ever been around children that have never heard the word no? I'm not speaking of mine. But if you've ever been around kids that have never heard the word no, and as they get older, into their teen years and into their 20s, you find that you'll notice that these people are really spoiled rotten. And, and you can't be around them because they've never heard the word no. They think the whole world revolves around them. You see, we have an old sin nature problem that says, I don't want to hear anything that I don't want to hear. And so when we say, well, I love you, and this is how you, you, you need to stop doing this, always remember whenever the Bible says, if you see somebody overtaken in a fault, put it on the internet. No, it doesn't say that. If you see somebody overtaken in a fault, backbite them to every single person in town. If you see somebody overtaken in a fault, 
The Bible says you go to him privately. And when you do that, you inject yourself into the issue that's in their life. It isn't that I'm a fault finder. I'm a paramedic. And I'm not here to just say, hey, your arm is like in four plate pieces. I need to help you. I have injected myself into helping that person get better. It isn't that I walk along like if you remember, there was a, a, a man, a Samaritan, a, a, a man who went down from Jericho to Jerusalem and he fell among thieves and they, they robbed him and they stripped him and he, they left him half dead along the road. And the Bible says that, that there was a, a people from the, from the hierarchy, a, a, a priest came by and, and looked at him and walked on the other way. It was a Samaritan that came by, put him on his own animal and took him to the closest inn. And he said, look, I'm going on a journey. And listen, whatever bill he runs up and you taking care of him, when I come back, I promise I'll pay you. What's the difference? By the way, this is what, what I think the spiritual significance of that story is. Religion can always find what's wrong with somebody, but real love interjects yourself to break that person back to health again. He said, whatever bill he runs up, I will do that. By the way, he put him on his own animal. Now, what, a lot of people miss this. But when you put somebody on your own animal, and probably in the condition he was in, probably draped him over like, you know, one of the old Westerns when they, you know, the posse goes out, they, the guy's lay, hanging over the, the horse. Well, they bring, bring him. That means that the Samaritan then, who was on his animal riding along, now there's a guy that's beat up and bloody laying on his seat, and the Samaritan now is walking to the next town. See, when, when, we, when the Bible talks about any time that there is something that isn't right with somebody else, and you recognize that, and you're compelled to say something, remember, you inject yourself into helping that person get out of whatever they're in. There is no spirituality whatsoever in fault-finding. People say, well, what part of the body of Christ are you? I'm the finger of accusation. No, that doesn't exist. What does the Bible say? It says that when we see somebody overtaken in a fault, we go to them and we inject ourselves into their issue, whatever it might be, to bring them back to healing, to show them Jesus. That's what it is. And see, the problem is today, religion has overtaken the body of Christ. We have become much like what we read about, what Jesus chased out, the buying and selling. Those things, instead of love and people just wanting to come to God, we have made it complicated. And I really believe, friends, that again, you know, people have always talked about in the church, Oh, we need revival, we need revival, we need revival. Well, I I agree. And I begin to think about revivals of the past and how God did certain things. But I'll tell you one thing, it always surrounds. For you, your friends, to get saved and come to a saving knowledge of Christ, it comes back to simply love. You know, we've been looking on Wednesday night, uh, the book, uh, the epistles of John, 1 John. And I am amazed, if you just do a, a, an overview of 1 John, how many times 
John says, love one another. Why is that? Because love isn't just saying, love you, bro. Love means you become involved in other people's lives. You help them. You always, see, God has given in the body of Christ great wisdom. Friends, there's a lot of wisdom in this room today. But if it only stays within you, it doesn't benefit the body. And the, if it stays in them, it isn't going to benefit you. We all bring something when we come together. You know, this morning is communion. And it's the only physical thing that Jesus gave us to remember him by. Not little gold crosses around our neck. And if you have one, I think they're nice, and that's okay. But I'm saying what God has called us to remember him by was a special commemorative dinner of Passover when the death angel passed over the children of Israel and preserved the firstborn of all the land of Israel because of the blood on the doorpost and the lamb that was inside of them. They put the lamb blood on the doorpost. And you know what they did with the lamb? They ate it. So it wasn't just that they had blood on the doorpost, but they had the lamb inside of them. Sound familiar? We got blood of Jesus on us, and we have a lamb. We have God's lamb in our heart. I pray this morning that as we have communion, and if you're not a Christian here today, it's a meaningless event. In fact, and this isn't... the, the, The church at Corinth chapter 11. Um, Communion became a meaningless event. In fact, Paul writes, he says, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? How is it when you come together for communion and that agape meal that they would have, he goes, how is it when you come together? It's not for your better, it's for your worst. They had changed communion into a drunken party. And they failed to realize how important it is. He said, for this reason, many are sick and dead among you. He said, examine yourself if you recognize what this is. It isn't that we examine ourselves. I've heard 1 Corinthians 11 so misinterpreted so many times because first of all, they don't look at the original language and second of all, they don't even look at the verbs and the, and the nouns in what it's describing. All of us are unworthy to have communion, okay? All of us are. What makes us worthy to do anything concerning God? Jesus. So what we do then, we don't want to look at ourselves. We want to look at who Jesus is. But if we're looking at Jesus, communion, and thinking, oh, it's just some kind of a goofy thing we do. And well, you know, Jesus, Peter said, by his stripes we're healed. The cup represents the blood of Christ who was shed for you. You're valuable to God. In other words, I'm not being merchandised anymore. The money changers are kicked out. I have been bought with a price, that blood of Christ. And because of that, I'm valuable to God. He says, let a person examine himself, not in himself whether I'm worthy, but am I recognizing what communion is? And when we don't recognize, if we just view communion as some meaningless church ritual that people do, 
He says, for this reason, many are sick and dead among you. Because you've not focused on the right thing. You've not realized Jesus provided a way for your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. Isn't that great to know? We're very complex beings. You can have perfect strength, perfect body, and want to kill yourself. Why is that? Because we're a complex body. You see, if you don't function together, you're torn. This is, what, this is the problem with, with a drug addict or an alcoholic. You can go to them and say, do you know your drinking is killing you? Yes. Do you want to stop? Yes. Will you stop? No. Why? There's a disconnect. You need to be healed. Oh, I wish I could sleep at night. I lay my head down on the pillow and, and I, I just lay there and I think about all the things in my life and all the wish or would and all the things that are wrong. Uh, you need to be healed. You need to be healed. That's what this is for. Well, I think about, oh, I've, I've just, my heart just feels like a piece of meat. It's, it's, been, it's been loved and told me it was loved and it kicked around and smashed around and I don't even know if I can love anybody anymore. You need to be healed. That's what it's for. Well, you know, I, I, I got this spot on my arm. I don't, I don't know what it is, and the doctor's kind of concerned about it. Uh, for this reason, we have communion. You see, when we miss what Jesus did for us, we'll embrace the money changers. Don't ever let the money changers take advantage of you. It is interesting, Jesus cleared the temple when he began his ministry, and in the last week of his ministry, he cleared the temple again, two separate times. And why is that? Because one thing God knows is there are those that will always, always try to merchandise your heart. If you're not a Christian here this morning, and you need to get right with God, whether you're in this room or listening on CSN or on the internet around the world, I want to invite you today to receive Christ as your Savior. We're going to pray right now. And you can ask the Lord to come into your life and change you. And then communion will mean something to you. So let's pray. Father, I give you my life today. I ask you to forgive me of living my life without you. So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. Take away the money changers in my life. Those that take advantage of me. And from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. And thank you for eternal life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.